0: Didn't see it coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. We live in curious times when it comes to brands, because what we have seen, uh, I don't know, I've experienced this personally in the world of big advertising agency brands is, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but the implosion of these big brands and we are seeing millions of little mammals scurrying out as the dinosaurs fall and these little mammals are all the freelancers and small agencies and, and gig economy people. But it, it's a brave new world and it's kind of a scary new world. And we've seen services where these freelancers and small business people amalgamate and hire themselves out. You know, services like 99designs and Fiverr. Um, But how hard is it to build up your own brand when you're competing with ostensibly thousands, if not millions of other people who do what you do? How hard is it to build a relationship like old ad agencies had? I have Nathan Hirsch aboard today who started up a new company, an extremely successful company called FreeUp, that's F-R-E-E-E-U-P, Free up and he 's going to talk to us a little bit about this evolving world of the freelancer and how you build a brand and a relationship in this freelancer world. Nathan, welcome aboard mark thanks so much for having me uh, man i 'm just i 'm just very, very pleased to have you aboard um, you uh, I, first thing I noticed when i when I connected with you a while back. You have got a lot of interesting history behind you. This is not your first successful venture. Tell us a little bit about how you got here.
1: Yeah, so I started off as a broke college kid looking for extra money on the side. Mm -hmm. And I started buying and reselling textbooks and I got pretty good at it. I was always a sales guy. I learned it at my internship at Firestone. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college. Um, telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. So that was my first <laughs> Can you?
0: I, I, I just, I'm a chronic interrupter. I'm sorry. But just the concept of that, you know, I, I talk to people a lot about, I went, to, I went to university and and the more I see of university, the more I see of entrepreneurs, the more I go, wow, unless you're a dentist or uh, a, a doctor, uh, university, man, it doesn't teach the hustle. And the fact that you were out hustling the university while you're at university, it makes me laugh. Hey, yeah. I mean,
1: it's not like I had, I, I never had, my parents were both teachers and, and I always went to school with people that had more than me. I went to college with people that had more than me. So that's kind of the only way that I knew how to survive is just by hustling on the side. That's
0: mm-hmm. crazy. So, so you started out, you started out in college, outselling the university with their own textbooks.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, right once I got that letter, I, I kind of had to pivot. I knew that I wasn't going to sell books forever anyway. I was going to graduate at some point. So I, I started experimenting with Amazon because I, I came across Amazon when um, I was selling these books. This was 2008, 2009. So mm-hmm. Amazon was mostly a bookstore, j- just getting into doing other stuff. And I I tried everything. I tried sporting equipment and DVDs and computer games, and I I couldn't get anything to sell besides these books. Mm -hmm. And out of pure frustration, I just started trying different things. And it wasn't until I came across baby products that I was actually able to generate sales.
0: And so from books to baby product,
1: from books to baby products. (laughs) So I was sitting in the back of class. I was listing baby products on Amazon. Everyone was sketched out and weirded out. Um and this business just took off. People would pay anything for their their baby's products, their toys, um their strollers, and before I knew it I was running this million dollar, eventually multi-million dollar business out of my college dorm room.
0: Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This it is going a little bit too fast. Just I got to let that sink in. You're running a multi-million dollar baby product business out of your college dorm room you're not the first person to sell baby products you're not the most experienced person to sell baby products what on earth did you put in that i mean what sort of catnip did you put in that food
1: yeah so i i kind of i didn't have a warehouse so i obviously wasn't going to store any of these products so i came up with the drop shipping model years before i even knew it was called drop shipping i built relationships with different vendors different online distributors And I was really good at at selling on Amazon because I had studied it. I was doing it 10 hours a day and I was good at the customer service side too, which was huge. A lot of people got kicked off in the early days of Amazon um, because they weren't customer service focused. They wouldn't lose a hundred bucks to to make more money down the line. Mm -hmm. And so my store took off and I was selling these products. And as I, as I continue to gain momentum, your sales rank go up, your feedback go up. Um, And we could just continue to build more relationships with different distributors to to get their products to Amazon. And I mean nowadays you go on Amazon and there's 30 people on every listing. Back then it was – when you go to baby products, it was me and and three other people. At one point it was me and two other people. So – and that we really got in at a very early age and definitely had a huge competitive advantage.
0: Now, hold on, hold on a minute, hold on. I want to go back to the, the customer service thing because, you know, you just threw that out there. You, you know, you were willing to take a $100 hit to make more money later. You, were, you, answered, the, you answered the bell when it rang. Uh, but go a little bit deeper because so many businesses have failed and continue to fail and will fail because of the most basic customer service negligence. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: (laughs) I I see it every day. And this is part of of the brand that I'm sure we'll get to. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, when I went to Firestone, they they always they threw customer service into my head every day. And they always told me the story of this ice cream parlor that every time they would give someone a scoop of ice cream, they would make sure it was exactly the right size scoop. And every time an employee would give them just a little bit too much ice cream, they would get yelled at. And because the person was so worried about saving that extra little bit of ice cream because he thought that it saved him money, even though it just pissed the customers off that they they felt like they weren't getting enough bang for their buck. And that owner eventually went out of business because he was so focused on that short-term dollar over the long-term gain. And obviously that's an oversimplification, but – even in my business today with free up, I mean, these are freelancers. These are real people. They're not hundred percent perfect here and there. They're going to make a mistake. And mm-hmm. and when that happens, we, we quickly make it right. We give the client credit. We don't just make them whole. We make them whole plus whole mm-hmm. and beyond. Um, and then you make more money on the client down the line because they're
0: loyal to you and they know that you have their back at all times. So it's, it's not about getting it right it's about having your heart in the right place and really honestly paying attention to making it right after something has gone wrong
1: absolutely and you know how many businesses i've seen just let a customer walk out the door because they weren't willing to give them 50 bucks 100 bucks 200 bucks yeah if you do that long term you're costing yourself thousands of dollars and even if you do give the person 100 bucks and they use you and then they leave it's more about you got to look at the big picture. You got to look at the percentages. You want to build those long-term relationships. That's where the money is at.
0: What is it what is it about us that when we have businesses, you know, I've had a few uh, when we have businesses and somehow you just can't be bothered? you know you just get tired and you can see things going badly but you somehow don't want to fix the most basic stuff you chase i remember mcdonald's did this for the longest time uh... you know they would keep opening up new stores and new geographies while their stores in north america were losing money hand over fist and it all came down to the bathrooms were filthy the food wasn't very good and the service was terrible you're going to fix the stores which they did and make money as opposed to trying to conquer new territory and screw that up uh, You know, what is it in human nature that causes us to let customer service fall down like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, even today, um, we're very customer service focused and we're always taking a step back. How do we improve the experience? But I went to a mastermind and the feedback I got was incredible. So I go in saying, how can I get more clients and they essentially told me how do you get more out of the clients you already have let's focus on that first Mm -hmm. and so we have this worker request format free up it's it's so easy it it couldn't be easier whenever you need a worker you fill it out it's eight questions it takes a minute and we we introduce you to a worker pretty quick so in my mind i'm thinking this is easy it can't be easier but we get feedback we got feedback from customers that some of them were too busy or too lazy or, or whatever it is they didn't want to fill out this form so from this mastermind i got the idea to have an assistant who just reaches out to every new client and, and eventually he's going through all older clients too, just being like, hey, I'm here. If you don't want to fill out the form, let me know what you need. I might ask you some questions, but I'll fill it out for you. And boom, the amount of, of worker requests went, went up by a third overnight just by the, this feedback Because we went back to the drawing board and we focused on how can we make this experience better? How can we take a good and what I considered even great customer service and make it better?
0: Is it is it that we're too lazy or we're Uh, we we see an idea that maybe isn't working, for example, the customer request form uh, that you're just talking about. And and we decide not to make it better. We just say, ah, we tried it, not working. Let's go on to the next idea. Do we throw things away too quick?
1: I I think we do. I think people get caught up in in the status quo. Once they see that something is working, okay, it's in place, they don't want to improve it. Because I don't know why, actually. (laughs) We should always be looking to improve it. And I do that for all sorts of different parts of your business, but certain things, you just get into the habit, oh, that's the way it is, that's the best that it can be, when a lot of times you need that outside feedback in order to go in and change things.
0: You know, it might be that we're afraid, like, or, or we hit a certain level, and we go, well, let's not tamper with stuff. Let's just, not, let's just leave well enough alone, having no idea that we've just basically scratched the surface. I've seen a lot of companies, you know, get their, get on that bell curve, and they bring in the first wave of consumers, they think it's a terrific success, the much larger wave they never get to because they cater to the small bleeding edge and they just say, let's leave well enough alone and they just never go anywhere. But uh, you know, you, uh, you seem to be a very, very rare person too in, in what, I've, uh, what I've seen of you in that you, you're perennially self-improving. Like You are always out there checking for more feedback, more critique, more, you know, more ways to make things better. It's a, it's a very cool quality. I wish I could bottle that.
1: <laughs> yeah it really all came down to so I was having success with this Amazon business and I started hiring people and I was 21 no one really took me seriously and um continued to grow and find the, these the fibers and the upworks and hire people remotely but I still opened up an office and I had an internal employees and mm-hmm. I had the same per the same job quit on me three times in a row the same different people for the exact same position and I right before that third person left I said hey can can you sit down with me for an exit interview?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was incredibly uncomfortable. I I pretty much asked him for feedback. Why did you leave? What could I have done better? What's it like behind my back? And he was brutally honest. Hit He me, hit me to the core. Everything that was wrong with me as a manager, as a leader, to my culture that was deteriorating, to my interview process and how I wasn't vetting for the right way. But, I mean, I should have written that guy a check right there because what he taught me from that one uncomfortable hour – has made me so much money and cut costs and improved my retention rate to over 95%, all because I was willing to, to take that feedback, even though it hurt a lot at the time.
0: So yeah, you're not, you're not special, right? It's not like the feedback bounces off of you and you go, hey, I just learned to improve. It hurts you too, right? I think that's part of what it is with most of us. Is just We go, that's going to hurt, and so I won't do it, so I'll just keep you know, mucking along.
1: Absolutely. And, and sometimes it'll take me a day. Like they'll tell me the feedback and in my mind, I might be a little resistant. I'm like, Oh, I know better, but because of this, because of that. But then the next morning I wake up, and I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like, let's get to work. How do we fix this?
0: Yeah. All right. So you're, you're, you're selling on Amazon. First of all, I, you know what I, I got to go back to? I got to go back to the baby products because it's, it's one of those things. How on earth did you pick that category? You know, entrepreneurs out there, they always want to be inventing the latest tech innovation. And here you are selling baby products. Definitely not the bleeding edge or the sexiest product in the world. Why baby products? What made you wake up and do that?
1: No, it wasn't. I mean, I tried, I tried everything that I, I use, sporting equipment, computers, video games, TVs, and, and I couldn't get anything to sell. And baby products was mostly luck. It was trial and error, which is so much of how I explored entrepreneurship, the small risk, high reward situations. But if you think of it logically, I mean, the biggest market is funeral homes, right? Everyone dies, it's everyone. But Mm -hmm. slightly below that, you've got the baby industry, the home industry. A lot of people have homes. Most people have kids. So I think that's why it really took off. And it was more of that trial and error that eventually led me to that opportunity because I just kept trying things until I found something that would sell.
0: And what I heard from you, too, is that it wasn't necessarily having expertise in baby products, but having expertise in the way to put those products in front of people in a way that the bigger companies weren't doing. And the customer service behind and it. I mean, killer customer service.
1: You, your first few customers are gold. And, and Amazon back in the day, they had a quick rope that even today they do too. So your first 25 clients, your first 50 clients, um, customers in that sense. When we got those five-star reviews and we were following up with people, hey, how was your order? Oh, it showed up one day late. Here's a half refund. Whatever ridiculous thing that we did just to make sure that we got those five-star reviews, that accelerated us to the top. And I mean it's the same principles with FreeUp today. We want people to have a perfect experience and if they don't, then we're going to do everything possible to, to make it right and try again that next time and get that opportunity to try again.
0: Okay, let's, let's, let's go now to the, the, the meat of what we wanted to talk about. Let's talk about FreeUp. So you've got this experience, you've been selling baby products, you've been selling on Amazon, and you've got this office where you've got internal staff, and uh, you, you're now seeing this opportunity to create this whole new thing. Tell me about the, the evolution of FreeUp.
1: Sure. So opening up the office was probably the worst business decision I've ever made, only because I added overhead to a business that didn't require any overhead. Um, Plus, all the drama that, well, I thought bringing people together would lead to more productivity and less drama, and and it actually led to more. So I quickly realized I also felt like I was, I kind of created a job that I had to go into every day instead of having the flexibility of being remote. Mm -hmm. So got rid of the office. Um, The thing about Amazon, we were growing fast. Year one, two, three, four. We're we're booming. We're thinking, hey, we're going to get to $100 million. Well, all these courses come out. All these gurus come out. Business is still solid, but we're not doubling every year. So all of a sudden, we weren't as motivated. We weren't selling our own products. We were selling other people's baby products and toys. We weren't passionate about it. We had worked on this business for five years, no one knew who I was. I wasn't going on podcasts. I wasn't building my own brand. I wasn't building a brand for my company because I was just another brand on Amazon. So I think the light bulb one day finally went off that, hey, maybe this isn't what we're gonna do for the next 25 years. Maybe it is getting a little old and stale. And at the same time, recently, over the past year or two, all my time had gone from the stuff I really enjoyed, which was the sales and, and the marketing and the expansion, And it had switched over to, how do I get access to this talent? And it was posting jobs and going through applicants and interviewing people on the Upworks of Fivers. And one day, I I threw a chair at the wall and I after doing eight hours of interviews. And I thought, hey, there has to be a better way than this. This is taking up way too much time. So that's when the idea of FreeUp came about where we get hundreds of applicants every week. We vet them, take the top 1% make them available, make them available quickly because speed is everything with that killer customer service and with that no turnover guarantee in the back end to have that full package of what I really wanted that didn't exist at the time.
0: Wild. Okay, so now you're standing at the dawn of free up... And you are looking at something that is improving it incrementally. There's another big thing I think about, um, entrepreneurs too. The, the small incremental innovations add up. And a lot of time people don't give credit to that. They say, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to knock it out of the park. In fact, you don't have to knock it out of the park. You have to, you have to incrementally improve in enough areas that people go, it is overall a much better experience. So you, I mean, it's not like you reinvented the wheel here you you took you took something that was already working really well but you personalized it you made it more bulletproof uh you built something that was just incrementally better on so many fronts right
1: yeah i mean that was the first reaction we got right oh great another virtual assistant company another freelancer marketplace but yeah. w- what we did was we started off with what we knew we knew amazon sellers we knew we had all these freelancers in our rolodex of people we had worked with before and i talked to other sellers They had the exact same issue I had. It took way too long to get access to this talent. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Okay, what if every time you need someone for PPC, every time you need a lister, every time you need a graphic designer, you just Skype me. We didn't have software yet. You just Skype me. You Skype my team. And within an hour or faster, we have that person ready to go who can just get started on the project. So people tried it out. Boom, they're getting access to fast talent. Instead of focusing on interviewing people and posting on Upwork, they're they're instead focused on growing their business, and that's when it really started to take off. People started telling their friends. We implemented a referral program. We treated them like gold, like I mentioned before, on your initial customers, making sure um, that they were taken care of because, of Mm -hmm. course, there were hiccups along the way, and – the Amazon community started telling the e-commerce community. And so we're getting Shopify and Walmart and eBay requests. And eventually they started telling other business owners they know. So we're getting marketing agencies and real estate agents and software companies. So th- that's really how it expanded, just by doing what we know and taking really great care of them and improving to the point where now we're a full-fledged marketplace that offers a 100 skills with great software um, that has just expanded what we offer across the board
0: okay you just hit on the word that I want to start our next segment with marketplace building a brand in the marketplace Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break right here uh, but hang on folks we're gonna be right back with Nathan Hirsch and talk about the marketplace the new world marketplace and how to build a brand in that we'll be right back hey I hope you're enjoying this interview I just want to let my listeners know that I just launched a new ebook called Stop Busting Your Brand. You can download it for free just by checking out the show notes of this interview. All right, we're back with Nathan Hirsch. Now, Nathan, when we left off, You know, we tracked the story of your success. We tracked what you learned, the whole idea of incremental innovation, the whole idea of, you know, with your baby food success, not even knowing the baby food products better than anybody else, but knowing the delivery system, how to get it to people better, Uh, outselling the university that you went to as far as book sales go. Now you started up this company, FreeUp, based on all the complaints that you'd heard with the Amazon sellers that you dealt with. So now we're at the point, you've created FreeUp, and this is where it gets real interesting to me, because in a world of little tiny mammals scurrying around, as opposed to monster dinosaurs, big brands, uh, how do these little tiny mammals forge the relationships and build the brands? You told me yourself, uh, when you started as an Amazon seller, you had a lot of revenue, but you didn't have a brand. It was very fragile. It could have been taken out from underneath you any time. How do you help freelancers build their brand?
1: And that's what I love about FreeUp, And I think that's where a lot of the other marketplaces have missed out. they have gone. Yes. Some of them have done great things on the customer service client side for the client, but they haven't listened to the freelancers because at the end of the day, we're nothing without the freelancers. If the freelancers aren't happy with free up, they can go elsewhere. They can leave. So with us, We wanted to focus on the freelancers just as much as the client. So we wanted to hear their feedback. How can we improve our software? How can we give you the tools to succeed to help build your client base? And a lot of the things that they cared about, like the speed and not having to compete with 50 other people for every job, was the same as a client. But there was other stuff as well. The freelancers, they're business owners too. They want the resources to build their business. So. The same lessons that I teach on a podcast about customer service and how you think long term instead of the short term, and sometimes you lose a buck to make a lot of more down the line, these are all lessons that that we taught them or the ones I wanted to be taught. We focused my my assistants and I have a bunch of them that do a great job. How do we help them grow their freelance business? Because their success is our success and they're going to offer their services in other places too, whether it's their own website or Upwork and that's fine. We, we don't want to limit them in any way, but we know that they're representing my name and free ups brand every time they talk to a client, even though that they're doing it on their own business. So us investing in them and giving them the resources to build their freelance business was really the key into expanding this and making sure that clients as a whole had a great experience.
0: Now, you talked before about one of the most illuminating experiences you had when you had a bricks and mortar company and you had employees and you asked one employee who had left a job to do an exit interview and you know pretty pretty brutal stuff. Uh, have you ever gotten any real brutal feedback from your uh, freelancers that that helped you build the company more or what's the most illuminating bit of feedback that you've gotten from freelancers?
1: Definitely. So by the end of year one, we were, we were pretty big and we were doing everything through Skype, everything through email, very manual processes. And in my mind, we're, we're kind of a people business we're, we're matching people where we're if you think of a marketplace model, you've got the clients, you've got the freelancers, and then you have the software that holds it all together. And I really didn't look at us as a software company. I'm, I'm not a developer. I mean, I've, been, I've hired developers before, but not a crazy amount of experience. And the feedback we got by the end of year one was this sucks. We need better software. You need to support us by investing back into the the, the, the glue that holds everything together. So. By the end of year one, we had hired three developers. We had built better software. We were taking their feedback on how we can improve it. And, and that's what I took very seriously because, in order to compete with the big players that have ginormous software budgets, we need to have something there that we can continue to listen to people and make better over time.
0: Now, talk to me about the brands of the freelancers and, and what sort of you're very, very close to a lot of people who are making their way in a big unfriendly world trying to establish a relationship trying to build a brand so that they don't have to work for bottom dollar all the time because that's the one thing I mean I tried a couple of these gigs when I was starting my consulting career and uh, just to sort of pay off the bank every once in a while and what I found was a terrifically frustrating experience because you had an agency between you and the client and you didn't have a chance to build a personal relationship and you worked for absolute bottom dollar and you thought well i could work myself into bankruptcy for the rest of my life here talk to me about how you help the freelancers build those brands and what sort of brands they're building yeah and
1: and that's why i'm proud that we have many freelancers that make over a hundred thousand dollars or well over a hundred thousand dollars on a marketplace and and we have a pretty big range it goes from five dollars an hour to 75 sometimes more um but for us, it was all about, hey, look at yourself as a business. You are no longer an employee. And with being a business, you, you have to do everything that a business does. That means creating your website, marketing yourself, creating your um, what different services or packages you're going to offer. You have to do the small things like the bookkeeping. A lot of times these freelancers, they'll hire their own VAs they'll have a team of people and eventually evolve to a mini agency. So showing them what that path forward was and, and what you have to do to actually be a business and have success and actually make money, I, I think was huge. And it kind of pays the way for other people because we'll post videos of, hey, this freelancer, when they started with FreeUp, they were doing freelancing 15 hours a week and working their full-time corporate job. Now they're making over $100,000 a year. They have a four-person team of VAs. Um, And and these are the packages they offer. This is their website. And you can kind of see that progression of going from really an employee to doing it at the side to a full-blown freelancer, mini-agency, whatever you want to call it, and growing your own brand in whatever industry they're offering their services.
0: Now, hold on a minute. You just talked about a range of products, and this is something that I have worked on a lot myself, and I've seen a lot of people have a lot of success. You take something that's essentially a service. So for my example, when I was doing it, it was uh, copywriting. And you then create packages, and you productize your service, and then you can start to brand these products. Uh, do you see a lot of freelancers doing that, taking the sort of like this ephemeral sort of service and turning it into a product that they can then market?
1: Definitely, um, I see. I see it all the time. Whether it's PPC or SEO, I mean, you're you're always going to have those one-off clients, and and yeah, you you make twenty bucks here, fifty bucks here. But th- that's more for the next opportunity. It's more for keeping them in your Rolodex for when they need you more. But you should always have your core packages. And, and you don't want to get too complex too early on either. Have, have the one or two or three things that you offer. Have that reoccurring revenue, the thing that the client can pay for every month. And make it worth their while because at the end of the day, if you don't, then your reputation's ruined. And it's going to be way harder to sell, especially in the age of internet where there's reviews and feedback everywhere. So it's definitely something that we encourage.
0: Talk to me about what you just mentioned there. You you were talking about getting them coming back for more again and again. And the whole idea of a, almost like a subscription service or something that they have to keep refreshing. Talk to me about how freelancers are, are grabbing onto that. Because, you know, at the very worst, you get a one-off gig, boom, you're done. You have to go hunt again. It's hunter-gather, hunter-gather. And that's a brutal way to make a living. How have freelancers... Turned their services into like subscription services that clients come back for again and again.
1: Yeah, and I, it's funny. I actually had a, a freelancer create a video that I'm posting on my YouTube channel later about the power of following up because a lot of times, as you're growing your freelance business, you, you might not be able to sell those monthly packages right in the beginning, but you can make a lot of clients happy along the way. And as you get more established, then you start to follow up with those older clients, get them back on the phone again, and their needs will change, their business is growing. And, and a lot of times it leads to better fit down the line. But I mean, those reoccurring packages are great. And it could lead to um, add-ons too. I mean, we, we have people that will offer, hey, it's $2,000 a month for PPC campaigns for your Amazon business, just for example. But then, hey, if you need other stuff, our hourly rate is 50 bucks an hour. And here and there, Amazon will give issues and they'll be there to help. So you can you can kind of use that as a baseline, even if it's as small as $100 a month, just to keep someone there, keep them at your fingertips, because with business, everything can happen. When one client dies off, another person will have a ton of work jumping in. And and that's really what you want is a Rolodex of clients who are constantly coming and going, but pouring work on you with the reoccurring revenue and with the ability for you to build a team. So maybe the client isn't paying top dollar for every little thing. Maybe you have different price points where if they hire you, it's one rate. If they hire your team, it's another rate. There's so many different ways you can get creative once you start looking at yourself as a freelance business instead of just working for someone
0: else. Talk to me about the future. Talk to me about where this is all going. You know, your business was an incremental innovation on existing businesses like Fiverr and 99 Designs. And certainly you're not going to be the last one, but you know yourself. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You know yourself. You have to keep it fresh. You have to keep it moving forward. You have to keep pushing the boundaries. What's the next boundary to push
1: Well, the gig economy is booming right now. Over the next 10 years, over 50% of the workforce is going to be remote. And I mean, people are seeing the benefits of it. If you're a business owner out there and and you're not taking advantage of the remote workforce, your competitors are or your competitors will be very, very soon. So um, I'm really excited about the future. I want to change the way people hire. I mean, the Upworks and the Fibers changed how people hired. And but they've been doing it the same way for a while where it's just become a cluster of people from all over the world where anyone can create an account. We all know the review systems are incredibly flaky at best. You I'm sure you've hired plenty of five-star workers that oh, yeah. aren't really five-star. Um so that system has to change, and that all comes on the vetting. It all comes on on the communication. It all comes on that customer service and that marketplace that actually backs up their product instead of saying, "Oh, you know what? You're using the marketplace at your own <laughs> at your own risk. Like you're you chose that person." Um, so I want to change that, and I obviously want to continue growing, free up, and and making a difference not only for the client side but the freelancer side as well.
0: You know, I wonder if the next evolution isn't instead of hiring out. Uh, freelancers to do one single task. If it isn't, you know, you mentioned some of your freelancers are getting really good at putting a mini agency together. If it isn't hiring out an entire department, so you say, hey, you know what? I want you guys to handle. Bring me a team of marketers to take it from uh, ideation all the way to production of ideas, and and I'm just going to outsource that and and keep it fresh, keep it moving and new. But hire me an entire cohort an entire group as opposed to just hiring me one skill set because i see this i see this personally every day where people are getting really frustrated because they hire a whole bunch of very competent people but they're all cats that have to be herded as opposed to one cohesive unit do you see any of that in the future or is that is that just too big and unwieldy
1: no, I mean I'm doing it right now. I only hire from within the free up marketplace, and we I just hired someone to take over my Twitter and my Instagram, which I've been doing for a while, and I'm definitely not an expert at it, although I did an okay job. And they're they're a group of, of mini agency, and essentially it's a low risk, high reward possibility. The wor- what's the worst case scenario? I spend a few hundred dollars every month for a few months, and <laughs> they don't improve my following, or they make some bad tweets, and I delete it. But the best case scenario is. That's a whole part of my business I no longer have to spend time on, and, and they crush it. They know what, I'm, what they're doing, and it really takes off, and it's another way that I, I get business and, and grow my brand. So I really see that happening. I know a lot of my clients are, are taking advantage of that um, and really taking just stuff off their plate, whether it's advertising or, or social media or it's the content that they're putting out. So it's just one less thing you have to deal with once you develop that relationship and know that it's going to get done at a high level.
0: Nathan? Thank you so much, man. Thank you. I had a
1: a good time. I'm always passionate about talking about hiring.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it because (laughs) it it is on the top of everybody's mind. The whole It feels like the glue that held together all these corporations, these artificial structures has just come dissolved. And, And now we're all kind of floating out there in space, a lot of us having fun, a lot of us being terrified. And it's always awesome to see people who sort of have a bead on it and see where it's going and see what the next brand of, you know, job fulfillment or or task is going to be now i want to get a hold of free up how do i get a hold of free up yeah so if you go to
1: freeup.com with three e's my calendar is right at the top you can book a free meeting with me talk to me about your business What you, what's going on how i can help you um, if you go and create an account it's free to sign up no monthly fees no minimums no obligation uh, we're in your back pocket whenever you have a hiring need um, and don't forget to mention this podcast to get a free 25 five dollar credit to try us out
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's terrific. I like that. Now, now I'm going to go back. Hold on. I was going to sign off just now, but I have to say to everyone who's listening, this is uh, no BS. I, when, when I first met you, you said, yeah, I've got this calendar. Just come onto my calendar. And I go, yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure, he's got a calendar. You actually do have a cal- calendar, and you actually do answer all the phone calls. Uh, Which is nuts because everybody talks about, well, if I want to scale, then I have to take the human contact out of it. And you're the CEO of the company and you're doing the phone calls. I think that's absolutely nuts, but it would be phenomenal for customer service. What a differentiator. And, And that's the
1: coolest thing is everyone tells me I'm crazy, but we're at about an $8 million a year run rate and I'm still able to take calls because I spend very little time i um, dealing with issues. The freelancers do a great job. Um, and I ha- my fr- the freelancers that I use build me 800 hours last week. So I'm using them, the same freelancers available to my client base to grow my business, doing things that I'm not necessarily good at. So um, I definitely love dedicating a-, a good amount of my time to building the relationships, building the partnerships, going on, on podcasts and-, and taking those calls. And I do have some people that help me as well Um, But yeah, it's been a lot of fun and I'm excited to see how far we can grow while still making that happen.
0: Well, I'm dying to start uh, using some of this stuff because I can tell you, you know, the, the more I see what I do, the more I want to back myself into doing the creative output. I just love the creative output. And what I see is that there's a million other tasks out there that just make me nuts you know, and, and you go, well, I got to do it, I got to do it, but you don't got to do it. I think there's a huge psychological barrier there that we all go, oh, we have to do all this stuff because A, we can't afford to outsource, B, it's hard to outsource, C, what if it goes wrong? But I mean, the, the fear factor is going down by degrees with companies like FreeUp. It's nuts.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to helping a lot of you listeners out there. Um, it's been a lot of fun to, to serve all the clients and just meet people and, and help people. And, and yeah, that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I wake up every day for. Rock and roll,
0: Nathan. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast for brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit because of it. Today, I'm your host, Mark Stoiber.